You're listening to a sermon preached at Sojourn Church, J-Town. At the very beginning of the Bible, we see God's good vision for the world, creation in harmony with humanity, and humanity in harmony with God. Join us for our series, Sacred, Genesis 1 and 2. All right, let's stand together in honor of reading God's Word. We're in Genesis chapter 2. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 3 this morning. So hear the word of the Lord. So the heavens and the earth and everything in them were completed. And on the seventh day, God had completed his work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all of his work that he had done. And God blessed the seventh day and he declared it to be holy for on it, he rested from all of his work of creation. This is the word of the Lord. It is absolutely true and given to you in love. Let's pray together. Man, we thank you, Lord, for a beautiful day. And just thank you for the the simple and clear truths that are in those three songs we sang today. So God, thank you for the way you've warmed our hearts uh, this morning. Pray your word has its way in us this morning. And um, give us clarity of how we can live in light of what you're saying to us this morning, Father. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So if you're willing to raise your hand uh, this morning, how many of you guys have ever ran out of gas? Ever done that? All right. Great. Isn't that the most humbling experience in the world? Right? Isn't there, there probably isn't an experience that makes you feel more dumb than it is um, to run out of gas. I mean, we got gauges. Amen. Right? So if you grew up in my era, this is kind of what maybe your gauge looked like, something like this, where all we had was just like a one little red dash. That's it. And so depending on the make and model of your car, that told you you got about 10, 30 miles maybe. I don't know. Just it kind of depends on how fast your car sucked the gas. My first vehicle was a 1973 uh, blue pickup truck, and it had a 350 in it and a three-speed on the column. Anybody know what I'm talking about when I say column? All right, so like a few of us, right? I know I'm showing my age, uh, but that's all we had. We had like one little dash and it said, like, hey, if you get to the red dash, you got about 10, 20, 30 miles. But for some reason, we couldn't figure that out, right? We still kept running out of gas. And so they upgraded. They gave us a, uh, a, little, a little sign, right? That little orange or yellow thing came up and that's a gas pump in case you're wondering what that is. That's a gas pump. And so... We didn't need just an E with red. We needed a light to come on and tell us, hey, you're about to run out of gas. And depending on your make and model, if you read your owner's manual, anybody read your owner's manual when you got a car? Okay, nobody, maybe one, two people. I kind of skimmed mine. Like maybe I'm kind of weird like that, but I kind of skimmed mine. And you usually had 10 to 50 miles, depends on, um, you know, whatever your make and model was. So this didn't work for us either, amen? For some reason, we kept running out of gas. And now we got this. We have a range, right? I mean, it's like, oh, now we've got range. So it actually gives you a visual that you can see you have 30 miles till you're on empty. And how many of us in this room, if you're willing to admit this, how many of us just really wanna see how far we can get before we (laughs) run out of gas, right? I think I've gotten down to like two, all right? There we go. Uh, it's interesting uh, how we are 
as human beings. And the question is, even with this little gas gauge, what in the world is going on with us? And what does it say about us that we need something to come on our dashboard to tell us when we're gonna run out of gas? If it tells us anything, it tells us one thing that we like to push limits. And not only do we like to push limits when it comes to our cars, we like to push limits when it comes to our physical bodies. We do not know what it looks like to stop, set our work down, and rest. We have ignored all of our natural body signs that tells us something is absolutely wrong with how we live. We're exhausted, hypertension, obesity, insomnia. We need drugs to wake us up and drugs to get us to go to sleep. There's something desperately long with humanity. We push our schedules, our bodies, our lives because we wanna get ahead. We wanna show that we're productive. We wanna show that we're valuable and we have a tendency to over commit. And I would say in some ways, our gauges are absolutely broken because we always think we have a little more in the tank and we can push our limits. At one time, I don't know if you guys remember this. If you've done any reading, you probably know this. At one time, leisure was a sign of wealth. Leisure was a sign of importance. Leisure was a sign of prominence within our culture. Well, that's gone away and replaced by something else. Now, what is a sign that you're important? Now, what is a sign that you're competent? Now, what is a sign that you have weight and value? What is the word that we use all the time? Starts with a B. We're busy. Busyness has now become the sign of wealth, importance, of someone who has weight and value. I mean, there's all kinds of things that we can say about the pandemic. There's all kinds of things that we can say about what we've learned. And we're still kind of sort of in it. It's not over by any stretch of the imagination. But during that stretch of time where it was about, you know, two and a half, three months, depending on your situation, where sort of everything shut down. And I get it, not everybody was shut down as far as jobs. A lot of us transitioned our jobs at home. Some of us still had to go to work. I get that. But there's a way that all the other extracurricular activities was done away with, and we were sort of confined to our homes at some level. And if there's one thing that I've talked with a lot of people, when we reminisce or talk about that two and a half, three months period, here's the one thing that I really heard that they enjoyed or they liked or, or something that was life-giving for them. And that was this, is that they did not feel like they had to rush around. There was a slower pace that for two and a half months, we got to sit and be around and be with. I mean, for me, every night of the week, we had dinner together. Like literally, that, had not, that has not happened in years where my whole family, all of my boys sat around the table for two and a half months and we had dinner together in the evening. The solar pace was somewhat life-giving to us. And here we are back at it, amen? What if... God did not design humanity to live in the way that we live. I mean, look what God says here, starting in Genesis chapter two, it's kind of a shift and we'll 
talk a little bit more about the shift that's happening in chapter two here. But notice what's said here in verse two. On the seventh day, on the seventh day, God completed his work that he had done and he, say it out loud, rested on the seventh day from all of his work that he had done. Again, verse three, God blessed the seventh day and declared it to be holy for on it. What did he do? Say it out loud. He rested from all of his work of creation. So don't go by this too quickly here because the writer is wanting to make an emphasis because he repeats it two times. God rested. One who does not need sleep. He doesn't need a day off. He doesn't get back aches. He doesn't need a vacation. He doesn't get tired. He doesn't get worn down and he does not get grouchy. Amen. Who is without parallel to any other being in the universe. God rested. That word rest here carries a couple meanings. The first one is this. It means to stop. It means to cease working. So God stopped working. God did not need to catch his breath. He didn't need to kind of take a nap. So look, this day of rest was not just for God primarily. It's for us, humanity. So woven into the fabric of the universe is this rhythm. Work six days, rest. Work six days, rest work six days, rest. It's woven into the fabric of the universe. God stopped working on the seventh day. So not only does it mean to cease work or to stop work, it also carries this idea of to celebrate. The word here has a, a, a sort of a, a dual meaning here. It means to rest, to stop work, to cease work. And it also means to Enjoy. That's why Moses goes on and says in Exodus 31, verse 17, when he says this, in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth. And on the seventh day, he rested and was, say it out loud, refreshed. What in the world? What's refreshed? Why did, why did Moses add that word in here? It's not in Genesis 2, 1 and 2, or 2 and 3. Why did Moses add that? Because he's trying to help us see the, the fuller understanding of that word rest. It means to be refreshed. It means satisfaction. It means joy and delight. It means to, to take it in. It means to like, when you get done, I don't know if you do this. I kind of do this. Sometimes when I get done mowing the lawn, when I get done mowing the lawn or trimming it all up, actually Kathy mows the lawn because she loves to mow grass. And I love that she loves to mow grass, all right? But, <laughs> but when you get done, like with all the other stuff, she didn't like the weed eat, so I have to do the crappy job, but that's okay. There's no tension between us about that. Um, but when you get done, if you're anything like me, what do you do after you get done? I, I get on my road, well, make sure nobody's going to hit me. I just step back and look at the work. Take it in. It's nothing like a fresh cut lawn. Nothing like the little edges being weeded out, you know? You, you step back, you take it in, and then you enjoy the work you've done, or maybe you take it to the next level. You sit down, you get a nice drink, whatever it is you like, whether it's beer, wine, sweet tea, which would be my favorite sweet tea, or one of those little cooler things. I don't know what the heck you like to drink, but you sit down and you just take it in. You enjoy. That's the idea behind this word. So not only does it mean to cease work, it also means to enjoy. So on the seventh day, God ceased from creating and he also enjoyed 
his creation. He hypothetically, I know he didn't do this because God does not have a body. He is spirit, all right? He stepped back hypothetically and took it all in. And we know on day six, he declared it was very good. So out of this rhythm that is woven into creation, later comes the command from God when he's trying to tell the nation of Israel how to live as the people of God in Exodus 20. And this became known as the Sabbath. And it commands us to observe the Sabbath. And the reason why is rooted here in Genesis 2, verses 2 through 3, because God worked six days and on the seventh day, what did he do? Say it out loud. He rested and he celebrated, he enjoyed. So it tells us a few things about the Sabbath. Number one, the Sabbath is a gift. Now, I don't know how you grew up, but I don't know if I would have called the Sabbath a gift when I was growing up. It felt more like a curse. We had leftovers. It was a day where I couldn't do anything. There's like a strict list of what I could and what I could not do. It's like, this doesn't feel like a gift. This feels like a curse. But listen to me, just like all of creation, in essence, was an overflow of the generosity of God and given to humanity as a gift, so is the Sabbath. I mean, what did Jesus say about the Sabbath in Mark chapter two? When the religious leaders were, you know, freaking out because Jesus was doing something in their mind that they thought he was breaking the Sabbath. What did Jesus say? Then he told them the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So maybe in previous generations, they needed to hear the second half of that phrase, not man for the Sabbath. But what I would put before you is that we, we, current generation, need to hear the first half of that phrase. And that is that Sabbath was made for man, hear what Jesus is saying. He's saying the Sabbath, a day of rest and enjoyment was created by God for you. A day of rest and enjoyment was fashioned and created by God for you. The Sabbath is a, a, a gift that God has given to us. Secondly, Sabbath is a day for us to rest. It's a day for us to stop work. Can you imagine the shocking message for the nation of Israel when their God, as they're learning more about who this God is, commands them, commands them to take a day off? Can you imagine a shocking message that is, especially after you spent 400 plus years in slavery? This God is so different from Pharaoh. This God is so different from any other gods that they understood that he comes and makes one of the 10 commands. <laughs> I mean, just think about that. One of the 10 commands, take a day off and enjoy yourself. What? What kind of God is this? The Sabbath is a day for us to stop work, to trust that God has got it, to embrace our God-given limits as a human being that are also gifts from God. Whatever it is that keeps you up and frantic pace, God is inviting you, inviting you to put your confession of trust in him by practicing what will train your heart to trust him. 
and it's called the Sabbath. Did you hear what I said there? God is, whatever keeps you up at night, whatever keeps you at a frantic pace, God is graciously inviting you. That's his commands, they're invitations. Graciously inviting you to put your confession of trust in him by practicing what will train your heart to trust him more, and it's called the Sabbath. So not only is the Sabbath a gift for us, not only is the Sabbath is a day of rest, a ceasing of work. Here's the third one, and I think sometimes we forget Sabbath is for joy. And I think this is where, or I'll just own it. This is where I've missed it. I don't know what all God did on the seventh day, but we do know this, that he delighted in, he grew in wonder and joy as he surveyed what he created because he declared it very good. What if the Sabbath day was more about becoming a day for a festive enjoyment of God's gifts to us instead of making sure we're abiding by whatever we're not supposed to be doing on the Sabbath, right? Instead, what if it's an invitation to say, like, what do you want to do? And you have 24 hours to do whatever brings joy to you that fills your soul with joy, what would you do? Well, what if God is going, write it down and spend a day doing it? Dan Allender says this in his good little book called The Sabbath. The Sabbath is an invitation to enter delight. Just that phrase, like, like sit with that for a little while, right? The Sabbath is an invitation to enter delight. The Sabbath, when experienced as God intended it, is the best day of our lives. Without question or thought, it is the best day of the week. It is the day we anticipate on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and the day we remember on Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. Sabbath is the holy time where we feast, we play, dance, have sex, sing, pray, laugh, tell stories. Sorry, mom and dad, you might have to explain that word when you get home. <laughs> Moving on, read, paint, walk, and watch creation in its fullness. Few people are willing to enter the Sabbath and sanctify it to make it holy because a full day of delights and joy is more than most people can bear in a lifetime, let alone a week. Maybe, Maybe the reason why most followers of Jesus Christ do not keep the Sabbath as a rhythm in their life is because we're absolutely afraid. It's nearly impossible for us to really believe that God wants us to have a day of wonder, delight, and joy. Some of you even right now, I can't imagine that God would want so much goodness for me, but listen to me, he does. What kind of God is he who commands us to stop working and enjoy a day? Sabbath is a gift. It's a gift to you. God created this day for you. It is for rest. Put your work down and train your heart how to really trust him. And it is for joy. It is a rhythm that God has set in this world for six days. 
We rule, subdue, work, draw out, labor, bleed, wrestle, fight with the ground. But when we take a step back for 24 hours, we Sabbath, we enjoy the fruit of our labor. We delight in God and his world. We celebrate life, we rest, we worship. God is inviting us to join him in this rhythm, this this interplay of work and rest. And when we do not accept his invitation, guess what? We reap the consequences. And it doesn't take much research to see the consequences of us saying, ah, not for me. There's gospel freedom. So if you had to, we'll bring up a little slide here of another gauge since we're gonna go with the gauge, right? If you you just kind of came in this morning and you kind of imagine your life right now and you try to, if you drew this in your journal or on your phone or whatever, where would you put yourself as far as energy, as far as joy, as far as like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm full, excited, ready to step in. Where, where, would you, where would you be? How are you coming in this morning? Are you in the red? Below the red, one-fourth, half, three-four, where, where are you? What would it really look like for you to take one step toward keeping the Sabbath? What would it really look like for you to stop, put your work down, rest, do what's life-giving to you, enjoy and contemplate God for a day. I get it. Some of you probably have tons of questions. A lot of little things are coming up inside of us. Well, what about this? What about this? What about this? And I'm not going to answer all those questions, right? So I'm wrapping it up. Amen. But here's one question some of you might have. And I get, I get this at some level. Some of you got jobs where this is absolutely impossible. You do. Yeah. You may be in a season of life at your job where you're, you're literally working 70, 80 hours and it's not like, like you don't have any control over this. This, this is, I, I can't do anything about it. I don't have any control over my schedule. I've got, I've got to do this. And I, and I just want to say, look, I, I empathize with that as well as God the Father empathizes with that. He's not created you to work 80 hours a week. He's not. And to understand, at the same time, he fully understands it too. And he's not up there going, well, you missed another day, so I'm just going to punish you the rest of the week. Oh, you missed another one. Here's high blood pressure. Oh, you missed another one. Oh, you're not going to be able to sleep for like five days in a row. That's not how God works. But I think he would encourage you to think about like, what's a small step? What if it's just two hours? Three hours? Six hours? Find some time where you literally put your work down. You turn your phone off. You rest. You do something that's life-giving, enjoyable for you. You delight. And as you're doing all those things, think about how good God is. So don't see this as any kind of burden 
that I'm not measuring up. No, no, Jesus measures you up, amen, right? You don't have to do that. This is an invitation to life. And so I'm just saying, hey, find an hour, two hours, three hours, six hours. Others of you might have a question like, all right, how are we New Testament Christians? And didn't Jesus come and fulfill the law? Do we, do we have to observe the Sabbath? I mean, it, you know, is that still valid for us as followers of Jesus Christ? And I, and I hear that. I just find it really interesting that we don't really ask that question about the other nine commandments, specifically murder. <laughs> do I really have to observe, do not murder? I mean, we don't, why, why don't we ask that question? Why, why is it Sabbath? I mean, yeah, you don't have to, you can go kill somebody. That doesn't keep you right with God. You have some major consequences in life, right? There's some serious problems going on, right? You like, it's just interesting how we ask that question about the Sabbath. Maybe it's a wrong question to ask. A better question is this, why wouldn't you want to? <laughs> right? It's like, it's like somebody saying, do we have to observe Christmas no, not really. I mean, it doesn't make you a Christian or not a Christian, but why wouldn't you want to? Who doesn't want to get gifts, right? And give gifts. I mean, take all the stress from Christmas aside, right? Just the whole point of like giving and receiving. I get sometimes it's like, I'm done with Christmas, but thank you follow me, right? It's interesting, isn't it? You can skip Sabbath. It's not a sin. I just don't know if it's really wise. I mean, you can drink gasoline, there's nothing in the Bible that says, thou shalt not drink gasoline. You've got a ton of freedom in drinking gasoline, amen? That's not a sin. You're not gonna lose your relationship with Jesus because you took back the swig of gasoline. My youngest son, Davin, drank oil one time because he thought it was a Pepsi for crying out loud, but didn't lose his salvation at that time, right? But it was really stupid, amen? I mean, you can stay awake for the days for days at a time if you want to. God will not be mad at you. But if you do that long enough, guess what you will do? You will die because you are not made to work like that. As Marva Dawn says in her good little book, right, on Sabbath, she says this, let's recognize that if we ignore the rhythm of life God set into our blood and bones, we do so to our peril. We are the ones who kill ourselves with tension, anxiety, overwork, ceaseless efforts, insufficient rest, our constant need to accomplish. So do I have to observe Sam? I know, don't. But don't you want to? Don't you want to? So what would it look like for you to take a day, half a day, three hours, put your work down, rest, enjoy, and contemplate God? I'll end with this. I find it interesting, and I get it. If you take all seven days as literal 24-hour periods of time, and I'm not getting into that debate here, just bear with me, okay? Let's assume that we're that's 24-hour days. Notice, on day six, he created who? That's not a trick question. Humanity, right? Day seven, what did God do? He rested. 
So the very first thing that humanity did after being created was what? They rested. There's a lot there, but I do know one thing there. I think it's helping us see that the major theme of all the Bible, as well as the major theme of your life, is God's work, not your work. Doesn't mean your work's not important, right? It is important. But the major chord in your life and all throughout the story of the Bible is the work of God. And God's just not about giving you physical rest. He's also about giving you soul rest. And that's why Jesus came. And the major theme of his message is one that we love here. It's Matthew chapter 11. And I wish I had it memorized. I do have it memorized, but at this moment, I'm forgetting it, but then thanking God for screens. Amen. But listen to this. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you, say it out loud. He didn't say more work. I will give you rest. And so the invitation for us to be able to to have physical rest and soul rest is to receive Jesus and put our faith and trust in him and watch him calm you physically and watch him calm you within your soul. Let's pray together. Let's just take a moment just to be still and quiet and hear what the Spirit of God may be saying to you this morning. So on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took a loaf of bread like this and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which has been broken for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. And so he took up a cup of wine like this also. And he said, this is the blood of the new covenant, which has been shed for the forgiveness of your sins. Drink this in remembrance of me. And so if you're a Christian, um, we ask that you would come forward Go to one of these four stations that are in the corners of our room and kind of go around as a family, as a group there and and allow the individuals to say the body of Christ broken for you, the blood of Christ shed for you. Then you could take the elements and go back to your seat and, and take it when you're ready. And just be reminded, followers of Christ, Christians, that this is the work that God did through his son, Jesus Christ, to give you rest, both physically and within your soul. If you're not a Christian, then our encouragement for you is not to take this meal that you would take the one whose name is Jesus. We'd love to talk to you more about what that means, what that looks like to have a relationship with them. You can come to me after the end of the service. You can go to the Blue Star here sign. We'd love to talk to you more about that. So church, whenever you're ready to take communion, you can go to one of these four stations. Hey, I'm Lyle Drury and the lead pastor at Sojourn Church, J-Town. Thanks for listening. We are here to reach people with the gospel, build them up as a church, and send them into the world to be a faithful, loving presence. For more sermons, info about our church, or ways you can support our ministry, visit sojournchurch.com slash jtown.